Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough for Jesus Christ. How can you do that? To so love us and send your only begotten Son to die for us. Then, on top of that, you gave us your Holy Spirit. We can't pay. We want to use our lives to serve you. Holy Spirit, give us the enablement. Give us the anointing. Come and empower, strengthen us so that we can do what pleases you in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, we are going to class 2 of quantity in disciple making multiplying disciples yesterday evening we looked at making disciples but one on one today I want us to tackle how to start Groups, small groups for discipling at your workplace, in school, in your neighborhood, in your home, among your friends, and anywhere you find yourself. How to start small groups for discipleship. The first question which you answer is, do I need to start small groups? I feel shy. Nobody has trained me. I am just a simple Christian. I want to carry my bag and go to heaven. So, we need to convince ourselves. And I want to present five arguments why you should start group wherever you find yourself. My first argument is that the place you work, if you don't start a Christian group, they will spoil you. One of our church members actually gave this testimony. He was on national service. And the whole office said, you cry, you don't have a girlfriend. 
you don't go out to parties with girls. You are impotent. Today, we are going to find out. And the whole of they carried him into the air and held his private part to see whether he is impotent or not. That's how our offices are becoming. We, I saw a video clip from one of the classrooms of our senior high school. And the girls and the boys were throwing their waste on one. I think some of you have seen that it went viral. Our secondary schools are not safe. Our neighborhoods are not safe. I have a clip on my phone from Kasua where boys five years, six years were being taught how to homosex one another and the guy was giving them money if boys would sleep with boys. I put it to you that the first reason why you should start a Christian group wherever you are, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, is because if you don't change them, they will change you. Number two, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, Iron sharpens iron. A man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And Proverbs thirteen twenty says, If you walk with wise men, you will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. When you attract people who also have the same kind of passion, character, and desire to be righteous, to be holy, and they come close to you, you become a pressure to the people outside and it strengthens you and challenges you yourself. It is in your own interest. When you start a small group, people who like Bible, people who like prayer, people who like Jesus, they start coming close because they like Jesus. They like the Bible. They like prayer. Even if they don't like you, because of Jesus, they will come. And when they group around you, they also become a force. That's the second reason. But the third reason is that if you are a worker, you spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. 40 hours of your life every week is spent at work. Therefore, if you do not impact the people at your workplace, you cannot be salt. You cannot be light. Which light shines only on Sunday at church? You see? If you are salt and you are light, you go to the office eight hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's 
five days out of seven in your life gone. If you cannot impact your office, your school, you can't impact the church. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to offer. I normally say that if God is going to judge us for how we use our time, then every workplace is where you get most marks. It's a compulsory question. What you do on Saturday and Sunday, those are electives. Yet another argument is that there are spirits at work at your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood. There are spirits at work. And these spirits need to be fought dealt with if you are a Christian. So, if you start work in any place and you start a prayer meeting and you start a Bible study and you start a Christian fellowship and you start a discipleship group in the place, you see that spiritually there is a balance of power. The way people die in that school, you see that they stop dying. The way people in that workplace get sick and they can't come back again, you see that the thing stops. Why? You have come to balance the spiritual atmosphere. So, your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your friends. Wow. You need to start a small group among them. Now, this question I want to answer is, how do I start, Mr. Preacher? How do I start? I'm afraid. I'm timid. I'm shy. My boss will not agree. My other workers will laugh at me. My classmates will give me nicknames. Everybody will say, Holy, Holy, Saint Mary. Uh, they will start calling me Saint Thomas. And uh, people, and oh, I can't stand the persecution. How do I start? Number one, start with prayer. Start soaking the place with prayer. Start. You see that? Nehemiah chapter 1, when Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem were on the ground, he started with prayer and fasting. So, when he got there, he read those walls which were on the ground for 150 years in 52 days. Impossible. Start with prayer. A classroom teacher you go to the classroom, put your hand on the desk of each of your students, pupils, plead the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, on each desk. If you work in an office, put your hands on the desk in the office and 
plead the blood of Jesus. Start with prayer. Pray for the people in the office by name. Pray for the people in your classroom by name. Pray for the neighborhood by name. Just start praying. Put in prayer. How long? Can be a month. Can be three months. Just start praying. Now, as you pray, the angels begin to get assignments to help you. They are told exactly what to do to help you. That's what happened in the case of Cornelius. He was praying and an angel was sent to tell him, okay, now this is how we are helping you. Send people to Joppa. Start with prayer. Just pray. Pray for the school or your office. Pray for your workplace. Pray for your neighborhood. Just start with prayer. And pray that God will open the door. Pray that God will give you opportunity to witness. Pray that God will bring some people to you or give a platform for you to share. Pray. Start with prayer. If you are on the university campus, start with prayer. Pray about your hall. You know, when your other friends are not in the room, put your hand on their beds and pray. Just tell the Lord that you are pleading the blood of Jesus on the lives of each one of these people. At your lecture hall, just pray. Pray. Number two is let your gift and calling determine the kind of group you will start. Let your gift and calling determine the type of group you will start. If you are evangelistic, you must start an evangelistic a Bible study group. If you are pastoral, you can start a fellowship for Christians. If you are a Bible teacher, you can just start a time for Bible teaching. If you are prophetic, just start a prayer meeting. Tell them in the office, oh, anybody to join me? I want us to be praying for this is our office and company one a week. Anybody to join me? If two, three people volunteer, you meet. When shall we start? He said Thursday. Thursday at lunchtime. Amen. Shall we start with 30 minutes or 20 minutes? Then somebody say, oh, 20 minutes is too much. Five minutes. Okay, let's start with five minutes. That's all. Start. Don't argue. If they say 5 minutes, yo, 10 minutes, yo, 20 minutes, yo, 30 minutes, yo, don't argue with them. Start with your gifting and calling area. If you are an evangelist, don't try to start a, a teaching ministry in your office. You can't handle it. You are not gifted there. So, because 
Heaven sent you to this earth for work. John chapter 20 verse 21. Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, so have I sent you. John twenty twenty one. Yes. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Turn to the person close to you and send them, tell the person you have been sent. And because you have been sent, the gifts God gave you are the ones He wants you to use to serve Him. Ephesians 2.10 We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Many times when we hear that Oh, Pastor Desmond for him he goes to preach in the market. Then you too want to go and preach in the market. That is not your calling. It's not your gifting. You see, your calling and gifting is pastoral. You see? So, you say, oh, this office, uh, good afternoon all of you. You know, I am a Christian and I like praying. So, if you like, every, uh, you know, once a week, we want to get together and pray. It will interest you to note that when you start that prayer meeting, somebody who is thinking of suicide will come and tell you, pray for me. Somebody who is thinking of divorce will come. And say, please pray for me. Somebody whose children are troubling him so much that he has no peace. Who say, please, can you pray with us? So, you need to understand that there are people with problems, burdens, troubles around you. We... We tend to to be a little careless about our our assignment. We we tend to forget that you have been sent. You see, it was my wife who reminded me recently. A church member of ours, she was one of the cooks here. Heard my wife say. Oh, I want a dog. So she bought a dog and sent her son to bring the dog to my wife. And when the boy brought the dog, I said, Oh, did you preach to him before he left? And she said, As for pastor, I don't know, what did you say? Okay. If you are feeling shy to say it, please, what did you say? I'm a church member. I've been born again. 
I gave money that they should buy stuff for me. He brought a, a puppy. And what should I be preaching to you now? Now, this was, I think, Tuesday. Thursday, the boy died. He went to the bathroom and he died in the bathroom. Some of these people, you are the last human being heaven has planted to meet that person before the person dies. This is the only reason he sent you to that workplace. We have a sister in the U.S. And she works, she's a nurse. She works with old people. And when she tells you her testimonies, your hair will stand on edge. The number of people God just kept alive until she will be posted as a nurse. Immediately she leads the people to Christ, then they die. You are talking about people who are 90 years old, who are 85 and so on. Heaven put you on this earth on assignment. There are certain people, you are the last human being to meet them before they die. And I tell nurses and doctors, you cannot imagine how strategic you have been positioned. Because from the president to the prisoner, they want to die in the hands of a good doctor. And when they are about to die, they are at a place so vulnerable that your words can save them. Just telling them that, my sister, I am a doctor. What you are suffering from is a terminal cancer. All things being equal, you won't live. This sickness is healing you. But I am a doctor. And I know somebody who is called Jesus. He rose from the dead. And he said, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, you will live again. And if you believe, he is able to save you. Look, <laughs> heaven is not joking. Very few people know Jesus like you do. Why do you think he made a mistake in putting you in that office? In that school, in that classroom. You see, many young men are more interested in the microphone of the pastor in church than improving that an evangelist outside church. What is that? So these days, everybody wants to start a ministry. You see, you can't evangelize people in your office. And you want your pastor's mic. Your workplace is your pulpit. If you are called to children, children's ministry, the children in your neighborhood, that's why God put you there. If you don't work on a good news club in that neighborhood, one of the children there will impregnate your own daughter in SHS. That's how God disciplines us. 
Even some Christians, they don't even understand it. You see, you heard Miracle's testimony. A cousin of hers came to our house and taught her lesbianism in my house. That's it. And that cousin, I didn't preach to her. Why? I took it for granted that she belongs to a good church. So why should I preach to her? Yes. That's it. When we started CDM, Christ Disciple Makers Movement, CDM has benefited my family more than any of you. I thought I was starting for others, but God used it to touch my family. It's because of CDM that my own children came back to the Lord. Many times when you are ministering at your workplace and at home in the neighborhood, your school, think you are helping somebody. You are helping yourself. I tell people, on Legon campus, <laughs> no university student, serious Legonites in my time who say they don't know me. I preach in every hall. I prayed in every street. And I was all over the place. Daytime, dining hall, the JCR, Anywhere in my classroom lectures, when the, the lecturer has not come, I am on the platform. But I got a wife out of it. See, I didn't preach to my wife, but my Christian activity on campus made it such that God rewarded me with a wife. I'm, I'm putting it very gently. Because I could have kept quiet. I could have kept quiet on Legon campus and seen to my coursework. I could. If you come to my office now at Adenta, the next office is the office of Apostle uh, Professor Isumin Brimpong. Where did I meet him from? Legon. We have been friends for over 44 years now. Why? Because I was not quiet. <laughs> I spoke for God. I spoke for Him. Heaven is my witness that I, my strength as a human being have used it for God. It doesn't mean I deserve the good things of life. But I can tell you that I am eating more from it than I ever imagined. I went to Mauritania as a missionary to change Mauritania. I came back and I was more changed in Mauritania than the people I went to change. And my family is witness. This is it. So, Sometimes I have to convince people to work for God. And I'm like, where are we going? 
This evening, I showed them on my phone the statistics as of now. For, you know, over 1,000 years, Christianity has comfortably been in the lead of the world religions. But do you know what is happening? We have started dropping. We were 33%. And Islam was 22%. Now, 2020, we are 31%. Islam is 24%. They are 1.9 billion. We are 2.4 billion as Christians. The gap is closing. And by 2060, if Jesus doesn't come, they will be at par with Christianity. And when they take the lead, it's forever. Christianity will never catch up again. It's not a prophecy. It is just common sense. They marry four women, and we marry one. And they can add to the four. They can divorce and bring in more. We don't do that. So if each of these women has even two children, we are talking about eight against two. So every generation, Islam outnumbers Christianity four is to one. This is it. So any Christian who is not starting groups and discipling people is an enemy of Jesus Christ because you are destroying the work. You don't believe it? Let's read Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. One who is slack. You see, you are slack in your work. You are a brother to one who is destroying the work. You are de- All slack Christians are destroyers. Because at this pace, we will lose the battle. So number one, start with prayer. From one to three months, just pray. If you can fast, okay. Jesus did it. Nehemiah did it. Ezra did it. Daniel did it. Just pray. Just pray. Number two, you need to start the group along your line of gifting and calling. Don't go and copy somebody else. You too have been sent. I too have been sent. So because of that, God gives each of us gifts and he won't ask account of you of a gift he has not given you. If God hasn't given you the gift of, of being a Bible teacher, he's not going to ask the account of a Bible teacher from you. It's the gift he gave you. That you will ask. Notice many, many people are suffering. Many human beings are suffering. They just need somebody to help them. Somebody who knows the way to, 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 to at least exhort them, strengthen them. And you are there. You can be of use. Now, the next step you need to take is to put a structure to make the thing permanent. Let's say 
you talk with them. And they say, oh, Wednesday afternoon from 12.30 to 1 is the best time. Immediately seize that time. Look for a place for the prayer or Bible study and put the time there. Make sure you close on time. Close on time. Because tomorrow, if you did it uh, Monday, next Monday is there. The next Monday is there. Why do you insist that? Uh, eh? hmm, I'm just coming from CDM retreat. Okay, I'm going to teach them about, uh, uh, you know, disciple making. Then, 45 minutes, one hour. When manager comes to see you treating the workers like that, he will, st- he will ban you. That, I want to answer the most important question now. What do I teach them? This question is not as difficult as it appears. What do I teach them? All human beings like hearing stories. Therefore, your strongest teaching is your personal life story. If you are starting a prayer meeting, tell them that, hey, hmm, my children's school fees. Hey, But when we pray, we got the money. God answers prayer. If I tell you, hmm, let's pray. Then, that's all. You don't need to go and call Pastor Selassie to give you a chapter study on truth in order to in order to get no share your life story. You see, if you are pastoral, then it means it's a fellowship. So a caring group. You see? So when you start and people start telling you their problems and challenges. And you take them aside. Oh, sister, what you shared with me last time, I've started praying for How is the boy? I've been praying for him every day since you told me. Finish. You begin to collect the hearts of the people because you are sharing out of your, your, yourself. This is why you need to be careful how you behave at work, because once you claim to be a born-again Christian, everybody is looking at you. You are in the full glare of the camera. That's it. Nobody should be in a hurry. That you are a pastor, you are a teacher, you are a prophet, you are an evangelist, you are what not. Don't be in a hurry. Human beings they are in the same office with you. They are not running away. Therefore, you go poco a poco. Go slowly with them. And here is the key. Watch what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of the people who draw near you. If one of the people you are praying with comes and says, Hey! Last night, 
I had a dream. And I was being baptized. Then it means the Holy Spirit is talking. So you ask the person, have you been baptized? Say yes. How? Sprinkling. Oh, no, no. How was Jesus baptized? You, bah! Said he was immersed. That's what God was telling you. God was telling you that you should be immersed. Say, ah. Say, ah, he showed it to you. He said you had a dream. How did they baptize you? Did they sprinkle? He said, no, in the water. My pastor will baptize you. I can take you to him. You see? You need to be alert because you are working with the Holy Spirit and he already has started the work. He is orchestrating it. So as you listen to their stories, God begins to, you know, give you a touch light into their lives. And from there, boom, the group begins to grow. The people begin to testify. Things begin to happen. You just lay hands and pray for a sick person and he's healed. That's all. And one day, somebody will tell you that, oh, in fact, this Holy Spirit, I've been searching for Holy Spirit. Say, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, I can pray with you. Say, ah, when? So, anytime you are ready. Are you sure? Then you say, oh. So, when do you want? Say, oh. They, can, can I come to your house this Saturday? He said, okay. That's all. You are in business. You are in business. Somebody says, oh, please, let's pray. Every night, I dream. I see animals chasing me. I'm not able to run. And they are chasing So, that's a deliverance problem. So, what do you mean by that? It means that, in fact, uh, Satan is trying to release Oppressing against you, witchcraft attacks, and so on. I can help you. Ah, how do you do it? You are in business. You are in business. And it will surprise you that one by one, when they share their testimony, you remember Pharaoh's chief baker and chief butler. When Joseph interpreted the dream for two years, he was forgotten. But one day, one day, Pharaoh had a dream. And the man said, ah! I remember my sins. There is a Hebrew boy in prison. When he interprets your dream, it's back. It's back. Immediately, they go for Joseph in the prison. They shave him. They threw off his prison clothes and quickly dressed him up and brought him before Pharaoh. That day, no, he had a wife. He became prime minister. He got a chariot. That same day, they gave him a house and Pharaoh took his ring and put it on his finger. That when his chariot is coming, everybody, hey, bow the knee. Joseph is coming. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. Joseph, bow the knee. He's coming. Even Potiphar's wife, bow the knee. Bow the knee. One day. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, it's not so difficult. You can start a group among the teachers in your school. You can start a group among market women. You can start a group even online among some of your friends. Then you Zoom. 
That's all. Amen? Okay. Let me finish by arranging for you what you should normally take them through. Number one, new birth. Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. New birth. Born again. Tell them your story. How did you become born again? That's all. Use your story and explain to them about repentance and faith in Christ. The second thing to tell them is water baptism. Tell them your experience. Share with them Jesus' experience. And the third one, Holy Spirit baptism. Please, if you are too afraid to pray for the person for Holy Spirit baptism, call some brethren to come and help you. But, I can assure you that it's not you who gives the Holy Spirit. It is heaven who gives the Holy Spirit. So when you explain the thing well, that's all. You see, I've shared my own experiences with you here before. That the first time I went for a convention, I myself was not sure whether I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, after the, the sermon, they made an altar call for people to come and receive the Holy Spirit. Come and see. People came in droves. And our head pastor saw me and said, Hey, JFK, go and pray. This line. Oh! I wasn't even sure I was baptizing the Holy Spirit. And he won't give me women and children. He gave men, you know, solid men, thick, tall. I, I, my knees trembled, my toes quaked, my stomach turned. Then I went near the first man. I said, God, this one here, it's me and you. I put my hand on the first man. It's the Holy Spirit. I said, me. I went to the next person. Now I was bolder. I put my hand. Holy Spirit came. Dead person. I said, oh. That's it. That's it. You would think it will cure me. No. It didn't. One day, the district high court judge told me that. He has been searching for Holy Spirit and he has heard that I pray for people. Should he come? I said, sure. He said, Saturday morning you come. In <laughs> the night I said, God, don't disgrace me. I beg you. You yourself, you know. So, they brought him. I said, they should baptize him. They went and baptized him and they brought him to the hall. I said, Jesus, today. Today. In fact, before he came, I was pacing up and down. Oh, Father. You, when I put my hands on this man, oh, Father. Then he came. Then I said, you raise his hand. He raised their hands. I prayed with him. I put my hand on him. He said, we're holding him. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
Please. If you don't pray for them for Holy Spirit baptism, don't start the group. Don't start the group. They need to see power. They need to see manifestation of the power of God. So immediately, sometimes if you pray for Holy Spirit, even before the water baptism, spirit power. When they see that, hey, you, this small boy, Tawam, has laid down for me and I'm shaking like this. What is that? What is that? When you say, kneel down, they will kneel down. Because they see power. Do you understand? And after Holy Spirit baptism, deliverance. You see, one American came with their wife <laughs> and we were doing deliverance. They were sure deliverance was only for Africans. And when we broke the case, he fell. Then he got up and he asked the wife, did I just fall? <laughs> anyway, the demonstration of power, Holy Spirit baptism, deliverance is important. Some sicknesses, you go to the hospital, in and out, in and out, because there is a demonic root. If you do deliverance, that sickness will go, even though that's not what the person brought. You see that after that, the person is free. You know, one of uh, Dr. Margaret's friends came to our house recently. And he said, have they taken you to deliverance? And she said, no. And she was 78, 78 years old. So we did deliverance for her. The next morning, she came and she said, look, this hand, I couldn't raise it. Look, 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 look. We didn't pray for the arm. We did deliverance for her. But the spirit that was holding her arm from going up now left. And so she takes it up and she's okay. So when you are starting the group, the manifestation of God's power must come. It must come early. Some people, even when you are telling them that they should be water baptized, they will be arguing with you that they are not in that church and this and that. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when you are doing deliverance from them, and a case is broken, and they are falling, rolling on the ground, turning round, round, then, they know that, if, then what this person is saying is true. That's it. Are you with me? After that, you can now go through the assurance. Assurance of salvation, assurance of forgiveness of sin, assurance of answered prayer, Assurance of victory over sin. Assurance of divine guidance. Then, you take them through the six basic Bible doctrines of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. By the time you get there, you see that you can differentiate between those who are serious and those who are not serious. Some who come regularly and those who don't come regularly. Then you begin to give them work. That, oh, today you are leading us in prayer. Hey, tomorrow you are leading us in praises. Hey, you, you are taking us. Once you start doing that, the group is established. Finish. It's established. Finish. Even if you don't come, the person leading prayer will lead. The person taking them through worship will take. And things will go. Just one little caution. 
please. If you allow your workplace to make you shut your mouth, God will multiply something at the workplace against you. You won't forget. He will discipline you. You will not forget it. That's how he does it. He knows how to do it. If you rather speak for him, the lions will come down. But he told Jeremiah that if you are afraid of their faces, I will disgrace you before them. God bless you, Jesus. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.